Amino Lion Media presents Business First. Hi, all, and welcome to a new edition of Business First with Sonia Aline. I am your host. And today we are going to talk about what is required if you are interested in being a, an independent music artist. The industry has changed tremendously, as we all know. There are a lot more people who are interested in singing or interested in this artistry entering into the field. But the technology, the politics, and all of the platforms are changing. And today we have an artist who has gotten into the game just about a year ago and is navigating all of these things that I was just talking about, the platforms, the the technology. And so he's here for any artist who is interested in checking this out. Um, We welcome to the mic Desvel Quito. Hello, hello, hello. Desvel Quito here. How are you, sir? I am quite fine. I'm black and beautiful. Okay. All right. That's good. That's a good place to be. Tell us a little bit about you are you are an, an independent um, artist. You joined, you, you got involved in the industry just about a year and a half ago, and you've been doing pretty well. You have a, a new single out. You have several singles, but your, your latest single is You Make Me Want to Cry. You've gotten, in that time, you've been able to get 50,000 followers on Instagram you have over 400,000 downloads on Spotify. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and how you were able to, um, I, I know you're, you're not where you want to be, but for an artist that's been in the game for about a year and a half, you're actually doing pretty well. Yes. Uh, well, I've been an artist all of my life. I think even in the past life, I was an artist as well. I think I love music but I'm also a filmmaker as well. And about a year and a half ago, I used to work with a producer where I used to produce a bunch of other artists that I have. I had Caribbean artists. I had African-American artists. I had, you know, all types, like nine of them once upon a time. So we used to go to the studio and I was working with them a lot, but I was not singing. I was not involved in singing. I just love music for film that I was doing and other stuff. And I came from Cali about a year and a half ago, almost two. And I linked up with this producer that I used to work with back in the days when I had a bunch of artists. And we were talking about doing some music. And he mentioned to me, well, why don't you sing? I said, well, I don't want to sing. Um, I had enough jobs as it is. I was, uh, you know, I just put a movie out. I was working on trying to do other films. So for me, music is still score film with. It wasn't about me becoming a singer. But then... It was timing, it was God divine. So he challenged me. He says, well, I believe you can sing. If you, if I was on a plane, we're going to crash. I know you're the type of guy that would take position to help. So singing should be nothing for you. Well, I don't like to be challenged. So I was dared. So I went into the booth and started recording my first song. And that was maybe December 2019 to 2020. Going December 2019, going on 2020. So... I started recording then. And then by December 23rd, I had a first single out called Love to Dance. And then after that, I put another single a month later called Love, Freedom, Voodoo Woman, Woman. And then and I think now number seven is you, 1804 came out, came out and then You Make Me Want to Cry. The reason I mention all these records is that I'm such a diversified person. I had to go into my spirit to find the music that I've, I've heard all my life all over the place. So for me, 
I wanted to produce to see where I belong. So I started making different genres of music and putting them out. And luckily for me, I'm working with a producer named Danny Laporte that works and worked with the likes of Neo, Rihanna, Beyonce, Chris Brown, um, Mary J. Blige. Just to, I mean, it's a reputable R&B producer. I mean, this guy produced everything, but his strength is in R&B. So I get to work with him one-on-one, -on -one, and this is why we get to make some beautiful music. So with him, he produces amazingly, so it makes it easier for me to express. Once he realized I could actually hit a note, it was all she wrote. So when I started it, I didn't know anything about the digital distribution market. I came from a world where we used to plan things out, develop an artist, bring them out, and then still it was hard to get them the mainstream market. And now you have a situation where the system says, we're going to create these platforms like Spotify that has 345 million subscribers. We're going to create a platform and everybody can come in for, with $20, you register with DistroKid. They place you in an all digital platform, but now here's the trick. After that, you do not know where to go. They do not promote your stuff for you. They do not mm -hmm. place it anywhere for you. They just put it on the shelf and tells you now, go get the audience to come buy it because that's how they make money too. You are left now to do your own marketing, your own hard work, where before you develop an artist, set up the gig for the artist, set up studio session, pay for those things, teach the artist how to perform on stage and stuff like that, but they didn't have to do the business side. But now they're asking us to do the business side. And I thought that was crazy because when I came in, here I am coming in off the cuffs, even though I was helping other artists in the past, I had now to develop a whole new idea on how to navigate this world of bringing this music out. Yes, it's great. For $20 to $35, you can put a song out on DistroKid and they'll put it everywhere for you. And you can actually tell people, I have my music out there. That's a great thing. The bad thing about that is now the artists need money to navigate everywhere. There are so many pirate platforms that are developed because of these distribution digital platform, there's a bunch of small digital marketing companies that are in development now by pirates or people who are artists, people who are thirsty, who can, because it's math, the machine use math. It's not like humans like we used to do before. So these people now can literally pack a million streams and sell it to you for $1,500 to $2,000 because they know you're going to make 4000 on a million stream on Spotify. They sell it to you around 2500 2000 so the computer can see it, but it's not a real audience. These are the people that were registered with cell phones and computer once upon a time that have their name attached, and these guys can now literally farm them and give them to you, prepackaged. So everybody uses them. So now you have a situation where Spotify is set up. The studios set up Spotify. Spotify is in bed with DistroKid. So they're in bed with distribution. They are the platform with the subscription. And then then bet and cahoots with the top artists because the independent major labels are with them. And their artists get more money than everybody else. Spotify gives you a third of a penny. Tidal and Apple give you a little bit more. But nevertheless, you have to do all the legwork right now. You have to find the bloggers. Let, let's back up just a little. So if, if someone is, because you, you are knee deep in it, obviously, if Very someone deep. was, is, is somebody was sitting and saying, you know what? I have this talent, you know, I'm singing on social media, I'm getting likes, I have a good following. Like what is one of the first things that they 
should do or what should they consider? First thing a person should do if you're an artist is make sure you have a lot of passion, a lot of patience. And whatever money you're working on, anywhere you're working on, the next fifty to $100,000, if you're taking this seriously, coming out of your pocket is just to set up your basic approach to the world. You're going to spend that much money if you don't have a... If you're making songs where right now there's a system where you have to build a lot of momentum with singles before you release an album. So you have to create an audience and then go develop an album. But to create that audience... Every time you need to put a song out, you need music videos. So if you had a, if, I, if an artist comes to me right now with a single, it's a hot single. They say, well, I have this hot single. I want to put it out. First thing I'm going to say, do you have money? If they say no, I'm going to say, well, if you're going to put this out, it's just for you and your friends to check it out. Because if you don't have any money to navigate this thing into the market, as soon as you, do a, you put a song out, you must get ready to do a music video. Some kind of visual must be attached to it now because the, the world is motivated by, by visual. Then after that, you have to do a campaign where you have to spend the next two to three months to promote that single. You have to do Google ads. You have to do Facebook ads. You have to do social media promotion. Then there are TikTok. You have to be on that 24 seven, at least three videos to four videos per day promoting such a song. You have to now get at least a 50 to hundred bloggers blogging your stuff. All those things that you have to do. So if you put a song out right now, first thing is you go put it in the district kid. They put it in Spotify and all the other places for you. The next thing you need to do is go find out if you have money to make a music video. The next thing you need to do after that is to have enough budget to promote the video and Google ads and Facebook ad. And then you have to get 100 bloggers involved. And then you have to chase a bunch of radio stations. The independent first to build momentum then you could go to the mainstream. And then after that, you have to go to the BTs and the... So, yeah, all the, all the music, the, the video playing platforms. Yes. You have um, to get so to for someone who might be feeling a little overwhelmed, knowing that they have a, you know, a lot of talent, but they may not have a lot of money, um, is, there, is there a place uh, to enter? Is there a place to start? They go get, they go, if, they have, if they're old enough and they have good credit, the best thing is to build their credit enough to go get a loan from the bank. Get a loan, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand. You got to take the first risk. The loan become your what a what a, a label would do for you. A label would sign you and give you an advance, and then help you put the record out. So instead of doing the label, and you would still have to pay them back as well. You would still, you still not have to pay that pay them label back. back. You pay them back twenty times, and then you might get some money back. Versus you believe in your stuff like any other businesses, you go and borrow money. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to borrow and bankroll my own label as an artist and then navigate because it's really the money you need to navigate to get the people to work for you. The bloggers need, everybody needs money. Everybody's asking for some money to promote something. The radio station needs money. To make a record go on the mainstream market, you're going to spend thousands of dollars to spend it. And you need the attention to get you the audience to stream your stuff. You need to be on social media. You need to do the Google, you need to do the advertisement. You have to. Your record can, okay, it's, it's 20 to 80. 20% what you produce, 80% money to promote it, to let the right. audience know. Right. So you don't have a choice not to have a budget. You're wasting your time. Well, I think that what's interesting or, or what might be encouraging for, for this audience, for people who are entrepreneurs, is this way as an independent artist is really the route of, of an entrepreneur. It's the same yes, way, the way you're explaining it. It would correct. really be the same way for any kind of startup business. Um, you know, back in the day, if you were if you assigned to a label, as you said earlier, you would take all the direction. You would take all of the um, the training, all of 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 the um, 
the trajectory that they put in front of you, but you may not. And we have we've we've heard and and we've seen many of the stories of of artists who didn't focus on the business side. And so this, as an independent as as an independent artist, it really just forces you to understand every aspect of the business and be responsible for every dollar you spend as well as every dollar you make. Correct. Uh, and 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 you should not feel scared. Music doesn't go bad. It's better than real estate to me. If you make good product as an artist, you have an opportunity to make endless money with a song. A song can make you money for 50 years. A real estate cannot do that. So trust your instincts. I mean, your product got to be good because you do know 30,000 songs come out every week on Spotify, on the whole digital currency platform. So Spotify alone has that many people. So we're looking at between 60,000 to 120,000 songs, some are saying. But let's say 60,000 songs a month, if you have been kind. And some are saying this is like a week. So if you've been kind, 60,000 songs, where are you fitting into that category? How do you get some attention? YouTube has a lot of people to care for. Spotify got 350 plus, 345 million subscribers. A lot of them are artists and everybody's pushing stuff out. So let's talk a little bit about that because you have been able to gain a following on Instagram, but even on Spotify, you've been able to get 400,000 mm-hmm. downloads. Mm-hmm. And so, which is, is, which is, I would think is pretty significant for someone who is just starting out in the game. Why would you think, or what is it that you think um, distinguishes you from the number of songs that, that, that uh, Spotify will drop every week? And what advice would you offer to someone who is looking to distinguish themselves on, on, on a platform like Spotify? Okay. If you're young, 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 the conversation. What's young, is, young, young? Young, young, young. <laughs> if you're like around 16 to 25. Okay. Your subject matter, even though you're relatively, relatively speaking to the younger audience, to the new age group, you got to change your language because the world is bigger now. It's not just United States. We're talking to hundreds of millions of people at a time worldwide. So the language has to be a bit better. Yeah, 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 jumping around cannot be the type of record that's going to go far. You got to put some thought to it. You got to do some writing. You got to be feelings. You got to be in every record you're putting out. Your emotions has to be attached to it. You have to be invested because the people has to connect with it. And I think any artist who wants to be, have a successful longevity or long career for 30, 40 years has to think about what they're writing, how relatable it is. Yes, it's good to make some fun records. I love making fun records. But we have to be music is the sound is the third dimensional function of a human being. You function on the sound, shape, and color. So music is a very big... One of the things that I've read about God, part of God, our ammunition is sound. It's one of the mastery things we have to do. So sound is very, very powerful. So if you're going to make something that's going to outlive you, make sure you put your best foot forward. Put something that is impactful, that is touching. Even if it doesn't hit right now, within a few more years of mind changes, your stuff will take off. Don't give up. Always invest a little money to push it. Music doesn't go bad. So if you make a song today, two years it didn't go pop, make another song. Once one goes, I have seven songs out. My seven is a reggae song. It, the vocals and everything is so smooth in it. It's the one that's giving me a lot of good attention right now. It's the one I have a nice little video for. And it's setting up the base for the next one to come. So it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a, it's not a quick race. It's not like you get a signing bonus, you get a million dollar deal and you're done. When you get signed or you get a, you got some money to work your game, the work just begun. You got to go out there and flip that money. It's a hustle. You got to flip the money. And, 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 
and then an artist right now don't have a choice to sit around. Every day you must be promoting social media, bringing awareness to your stuff every day. And you must get encouragement from your family to help you. You must engage friends to help you. That's your core audience building. You must um, find ways to re- to go to communal community affairs and different events to engage with people, to let them know you have something out there. You do not know who's going to help you propel anything. It's a diligent game. It's an everyday work if you're an artist right now. It's not a, I sit around, I have a hit song and somebody, there's no such thing as a hit song. You got a song that's popular. There's another guy that have a song that's more popular than yours. So your job is to continue pushing the work. Whether you have a million stream, 200 million streams, you still got to get a Drake has billions of streams. He still has to get up and make another hit album before he stay relevant. You're still competing with him as if he's just starting because yesterday's news is yesterday's news. Today's a new day. So any artist who's really serious about this, besides getting some money from family members or a loan, you must always invest on yourself first. You must also trust yourself. Nobody's going to sign you right now without a proven record. No one wants to put money out of, behind anybody if you don't prove yourself. You have to prove you can get an audience together. And you, ha- you guys got to be fair. You cannot expect somebody to sign you on talent alone. It has to show merit that you can engage with an audience. You, if your social media is, is structured properly, then your music videos has to be put together properly. Then you got to get a budget. to Your marketing team has to get better. And those things help you come up. It, there is no failure in the game right now. There's only those who's going to work outwork the other. One of the things that um, is a, a, a solid plus for independent artists is that you get to explore a range of genres and styles and taste. You know, again, back when you were signed with a, with a label, they would they would see you in a particular light. Like, you know, oh, yeah. I see you as an R&B artist. I see you right. as a hip hop artist. Mm-hmm. And so you, your background is Haitian. You were born mm-hmm. in Haiti and raised raised here in the States. The United States. And yeah. so but you've been able to express a lot of your culture and American culture mm-hmm. in your music. You've done compa, you've done um, R&B, you've done hip hop. And like you mm-hmm. said, your seventh and your latest is mm-hmm. a reggae, a reggae um song. So talk mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about like the freedom you have as an artist, as an independent to um, really create music and not be pegged in a box or not be restricted in any kind of way. All right. It's a thing that people talk about a lot when they come to marketing. They always tell you, we need to package you a certain way to maintain a consistency so the audience can relate to you consistently. That's a great thing. When you're investing in a person, you need to know they can be consistent. So that's an arrangement. But I do believe if you're independent and you're a true artist, there are no range. There's no such thing as genre. There is just the art. You feel passionate about a song, a subject matter. You you pick the genre and you engage into it. Be sincere. If the genre belongs to the Caribbean culture or the African culture or the European culture, However the genre is, when you end there, show respect. Mean what you're doing. If you're doing pop music, be a pop artist for real and then be involved in it for real. Don't ever lack of integrity when you do something. So for me, if I'm doing, I'm from Haiti. A lot of people, I grew up in the United States and I've never been back to Haiti. But I know Haiti's culture like the back, like me. I know the food, the music. And 
since you're in the Caribbean, reggae, Bob Marley, I, you know, I grew up with Bob Marley. I grew up with the Marleys. I grew up with listening to Buju Bantan, Mega Bantan, you know, all the, and the, the new ladies now, Jada, Kingdom, um, Shensi, Spice Official. I keep up with the artists of the culture so I can show respect when I'm doing something. That way, it gives you a broader audience. You're more universal with the world because remember, we're not cocooning with the United States anymore. The internet has given us access to the entire world. So when you're making music, consider that. You're not just looking for audience next door to you. You're looking for audience everywhere. So I make reggae, compa, R&B, pop, because now I can spread myself like playing the game of risk. Like you used to notice, I promote the reggae within the Caribbean market. I, I kept it with, you know, I put it into the mainstream market, but I keep it a certain outlook. But my goal is to set up the platform for the album right now. So I'm spreading myself in different cultures, in different pockets. I have an R&B song, R&B hip hop song coming out next. Then I have a compa, Kringlish R&B song coming out after that. And then I have a pop song coming after that. So you understand the game I'm playing. So I can do that because I have those cultures in me authentically. My grandfather on both sides of my family is Cuban. I was born in Haiti. I grew up in the United States. Hip hop grew up in hip hop and R&B in the past 30 years or 40 years has been in front of me. So well, I grew up with it. So that would mean now I have all those sounds in me and I have to find a way now to translate it to the world. And I'm doing so. So I think music, I, a friend of mine says one time, every singer is like a parrot. We do not know what's the best sound. We hear it and we're translating it. And if we do it well enough, people give us credit and say we can sing. But we all are repeating each other's information, what we heard from each other. So sound for me is profound. It's impressive. So I'm trying to be one of the best. Even though one would say, well, you know, you would late to start out this career. But I'm like, listen, man, I was already always an artist. I was taking care of artists. I had studio credibility. I have film credibility. I can make my music videos. I can produce a good song because I've been engaged with so many different cultures and I'm mature. So if I'm putting a record out, it's my choice. It's my, this is joy for me right now. I'm an artist, not an artist chasing a career. I'm an artist who's diversifying, who's enjoying producing anything his mind and spirit desire. And I have a producer that is as diversified as me. So when we're working together, he can go to any genres with me without feeling inadequate. So it wasn't something that I could do with, uh, with just a hip hop producer. Tell us a little bit about your early start as an artist. Yeah, I, I started in Hollywood when I was like 20, 21. I was there with my girlfriend and we went, I left here, was thinking, it, it was destined for me to go to Hollywood. I have a name like, my coaches used to call me UCLA because my name is Uskla, my first name. It's almost spelled like UCLA. So I always felt it was destined for me to be in California. Um, and I started my film career in the late 90s. Sound like I'm getting my age over something. <laughs> late 90s, early 2000s. I did a feature film and it did good. It was for Haiti called Life Outside of Pearl. It started Jimmy Jean-Louis. Uh, a lady from Haiti named Carol Demisme and a gentleman who's in Florida and I was a big doctor named Rudolph Moise. Uh, those are the top people that were in the film. So that film was my heart because it was dedicated to Haiti. It was a soul food for Haiti at the time. And although I shot it on 35 and I went through hell to make the film, it didn't fare well because I didn't have enough money or enough 
gusto at the time to really make it go. But it's a good little film. So I had put it on the shelf a long time because of politics and a lot of things. But now, because of the music career that I've developed now and the attention, and I've been able to rescore the film and work on the sound. So I'm going to re-release the film like 17, 16, 17 years later. So the reason I'm telling you that story, when I went to Hollywood, I went with hopes and dreams of making Black Panther and other film like that once upon a time. But the heavens didn't have that in mind for me. There were other plans. I didn't stop making film. I'm not, I'm not a filmmaker who put anything away. It's just that I had to redirect myself doing another route to become this man today. So now when I went to Hollywood once was to be a big filmmaker. I became a filmmaker. I didn't get big, but I understood the politics of the business and I'm mature now to do even better work. And in the back in the days, there weren't that many opportunities available in Hollywood. You had to do a lot of griping. Unlike today, it's a little bit better. So I felt like I had to go to my culture to be authentic. I could have done other types of film comedies and stuff like that to make money when I was focusing on it. But it was like Haiti needed attention. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to focus myself here and create a little market. But I don't think the culture was ready for the type of work I was bringing at the time. It was expensive. It was tasking. And it was politically driven, so it wasn't ready. So I'm, I plan on re-releasing that film. So my career in Hollywood spent about 20-some years. I did a few films, met a few people, and I felt like that was my high school experience to make comparison. Now I feel like I'm now ready to really go to work. I wasn't as secure as I wanted to be before. Hollywood has a way of taking that away from you when you come in and trying to prove yourself. But now I'm very secure. I'm very proud. Um, I haven't done a film since 2009 or 10. Uh, in between that, I've developed my. I was developing a bunch of other things, including the music now. So, I think, believe you me, I'm just now ready to be a true, hungry, expressive, make it type of artist. I don't know. It's weird. I, I just feel like I'm brand new. The music thing makes me feel brand new, and I'm, I'm excited to be a new developed artist and prove myself right now. Although you call yourself brand new, you, you talk a lot about, or I should say our off-camera conversations, you talk a lot about the importance of being timeless. Yes. And so um, it seems like the film is, mm-hmm. although you know you had done it several years ago and, yes. and, and you were restricted in, in releasing it, yes. um, it's it's a, it's a story that that people can relate to still today, and yes. I know that that's that's part of what drives you in your music as well. Um, right. Talk about that process about creating and, and what that looks like to create something that's timeless, um, particularly for people who may may have created something that that think you know what I don't know if this is the right time. It's what I feel, yeah. but I don't know if this is what I should release. I don't know if this is what people are listening to, and how being true to what comes through you. Um, has an essence about it that can that can keep it timeless. When it came to Haiti, Haiti is such a precious subject matter for me that I'm afraid to talk about certain things in public, believe it or not. I believe more in the action, the work, because I, I think the world is punishing us for talking too much. Haiti at that time needed a product that resonate. I think what United States does well, United States tell a lot of stories from their perspective to the world. And as a product, they sell to the world. 
that we all engulf by when we're sitting in our world and watching the United States. And we're like, I, I want to go there because it looks so lovely and amazing and free. And when you come here, yeah, it's cool, but there's a lot of challenges that you don't see in those visuals. So I think every culture who wants to elevate their world, one thing about the Caribbean and Africa, I don't think they have enough marketing going on. We need to market our world so the stories can stand the test of time to educate the generation coming tomorrow. When I was making Life Outside of Pearl, I remember I never had the budget. Here I am. Remember for Haiti at the time, they were doing stuff in VHS. I'm going to shoot a film on 35 millimeter in Hollywood with a budget that I know I'm not going to get back from that culture because it's not savvy. There's no marketing development. There's no route. There's no distribution really developed. So, you know, you got to take the risk for your heart. It's, it's, this, this, that, that project took a lot out of me because the business part of it was sentimental. It was about like, okay, this culture is rich. I need to find a way to start introducing this culture to others. And the best way to do that is to bring the family to them because a family essentially represents the, a country or a culture. So in Life Outside of Pearl, when we did it, when we did it, it was about me letting the world know this is my family. This is who we are. I needed black people here to relate to those black people there. And I needed culture in general to say, oh, well, if we do not know anything about Haiti, because I would meet people to tell me, oh, how did you guys do voodoo? I heard this, but they don't know nothing else. Well, it's because you're not paying attention to what you can relate to us about. So I wanted to have something where a Greek family, Italian family, a Chinese family, a African-American family can sit and say, that family, I, we relate to them. What they go through with their children and their problems they experience as far as unfaithfulness and other things, we experience as well. And since they go through it the same way we do, we can relate. And since we can relate, we can empathize. So I wanted to work for that. And that's what Life Outside of Pearl really represents. That's why I did it. And to stand the test of time is because I had to make it in a way where the conversation had to hit the next generation coming. I wanted to know when they go back and look at that little film, they can relate to it as if it was yesterday. Because they all tell me, that's my mother in that film. That's me. That's my life you're talking about. How do you know it? Because I made it broad enough where if you're Jamaican, you can relate. If you're Asian, you can relate. But if you're Haitian, you can really relate. If you're Jamaican, you can relate. So we all got this, these knacks of family connectivity that we sometimes look away because we don't want to be responsible for another. And, I, and to help Haiti rise, you have to be vulnerable in front of the audience. I have to show them what we do, what we eat like, what we live like, in a very non-threatening kind of way to another culture, in, in a, in a self-reflection kind of way. And, and, and I think we did that. That's why I, I took my time, I sacrificed, I borrowed, I, got, I took all the risk I could at the time to bring life outside of Pearl to pass. And... It was worth it. When I looked at the film recently, I did some remastering. And then when I was showing it to you, uh, I felt, okay, for a long time, I didn't look at the film. And I felt rewarded at that moment. I felt happy. I was like, oh, my God, this is actually, now I'm looking at this film years later. This is a beautiful piece. I can live with this. I can live with this being in history with my name on it and stipulating that I was doing something encouraging for a culture that I care about. So, you know, that's what we do, what we do. So what's next for the artist Des Velquito? Des Velquito right now is planning to release three more records. I have I, I had a 10, 10 
single type of marketing thing that I was doing. I'm in number seven. Number eight is coming out. It's all about the love, which is an R&B rap type of feel good song. That's we're gonna shoot a little skating video for. That's coming out in a few months. Uh, and after that, before the summer gets, I have two more songs coming out this year that we're gonna promote, market to set up the platform. And next year, I'm gonna work on the album. I have a podcast that I want to do around health. There's a whole side of health to me that I want to tap into. Um, then there's the feature film that I want to re-release sometime at the end of the year uh, with some good pushing. Um, and then there is these spas and other things that I'm doing that we're not going to talk about here. But, but we'll bring uh, you I'm, back to talk about those yes, things. Yes, is pretty, pretty busy. Right. I'm engaging. I'm you know, I see a bright future. I see myself as a Grammy award-winning singer-writer. I, I that's a fair deal. I see. I don't know if I'm going to be signed to anybody, but I see myself doing really well in the music worldwide because yeah. okay. I plan on producing some amazing hits. So, where can people find you so they can listen and follow and support? Ooh, please on TikTok, Desvel Kito, D E Z V E L K I T O. On IG, Instagram, IG, please. Um, Desvel Quito underscore music. On YouTube, Desvel Quito underscore music. And Google Desvel Quito for any blog or anything else. Just right. Google him, follow him. And He's on worth Spotify, it. what are the music platforms? Spotify? Spotify, I mean, all of them. Spotify, mm -hmm. Apple, Tidal. Uh, I'm on Spotify a lot because Spotify showed me love. But everybody, please, uh, wherever you have it, if it's Tidal, listen to it there. If it's Apple, listen to it there. And it, if it's Shazam, if it's Deezer, go get yours. Uh, help me out. Look me out. Shoot me an email. Follow me on IG. Follow me on TikTok. I'm going to keep posting stuff. I'm going to start doing skits. I'm going to get into it. So we're coming. I love... I love the humanity we are, but I think we can do better. And I'm working on helping out. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for having me. Miss Sonia, Eileen, Absolutely. an amazing woman. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, we look forward to supporting you and following up and actually having you back so you can talk about um, the health work that you do, which is also... you don't want that. you don't want that work. That's <laughs> You don't want. You don't want that smoke. That's what keeps us good. Important. <laughs> Very know, important. Very important. So, all right. Well, we'll listen so to the music in the meantime. We'll listen to the music in the meantime, know. and when you're ready to come back and talk about the health work, we will definitely have you back to support that as well. So, thank you, Miss Sonia. Guys, thank you, my friend. You make me want to cry out right now. You make me want to cry. Make it a hit. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. Everybody. So reggae, love rock, lovers rock, heartbreak is good. Check all it out. Right. All right. out. <laughs> so he has the final word. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. And we will see you again next week with another great guest and another great show. The Business First Podcast is hosted and produced by Sonia Aline. Associate producer, Ariel Mancibo. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Business First Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on social at business underscore first underscore podcast on IG. The Business First Podcast is a mean old line media production.